Hello, my name is Shane Eidelman, and I'm the pastor of Westside Christian Fellowship in Leona Valley, California. It is my personal heart and goal for you to see truth through a biblical perspective. I hope that you enjoy this segment of Eidelman Unplugged. Part four of my book, Feasting and Fasting, What Works, What Doesn't, and Why. And this section is titled, My Fasting Experience. My Fasting Experience. Now, I wrote this in 2018, and the good part about recording it now at the beginning of 2024 is I'm going to actually incorporate other fasting experiences I've had in the last six years. So this could be really a bonus feature type chapter or section or podcast. However, you're watching this, we've got it on YouTube and Vimeo, I believe, Rumble, and we'll be sharing the video of me reading the manuscript uh, as well as putting it on Audible. And so the best of both worlds, you can send certain sections of the book and that's how we're doing. We're recording a lot of different podcasts. You can send it to friends and family who might, might benefit from some of the content. So let's talk about my fasting experience. Again, this is back in 2000. Well, I wrote the book in 2018. So this might have happened in 2017. I talk about a specific event, but I also am going to tie in other events uh, that I had with fasting. And hopefully you can learn from my experience. So it's called 22 Days of Mountains and Valleys. 22 Days of Mountains and Valleys. And I want to encourage you from the get-go that very rarely do I fast perfectly. I might fast perfectly for a day or two, but you know, overall it, it gets tough. And I would rather finish at the end of 21 days or 30 days or two weeks. And if I had to, you know, had to have a little bit of nuts or a little bit of ketone body, you know, ketones, they sell this little ketone juice. And I, if I have to do these little things just to get through and to go and preach and to get through maybe a kid's event and coach my son's baseball. And, you know, if I have to do that, I get to the end of my fast, still looking at it as a huge success. I want you to focus on direction, not perfection. Now, with that said, is it best to just follow through, keep your commitment, finish strong, and discipline yourself and grin and bear it? Yeah, that has a lot of benefits too, especially if God is calling you to fast. Is it a God fast or my fast? And I think both are important. God calls certain people to fast. You know it. You need to do it. Other times, we just need to step out in faith and fast. Uh, Jesus said, when you pray, when you give, and when you fast. So as long as it doesn't become an obsession, doesn't turn into an eating disorder, you'll be really benefit from it greatly. So 22 days of mountains and valleys. My hope is that my experience can motivate readers to personalize their own fast. Interwoven throughout this section is additional information about fasting and how it affects the body. Although I don't believe we should concentrate on weight, I did include my weight to show another effect of fasting. Keep in mind that my experience may differ from yours. Fasting is a discipline that takes time to develop. Focus on intimacy with God, not on rules or competitions. Now, recall my earlier analogy of this. Imagine heading to lunch in a crowded mall. Just before leaving, you notice that your three-year-old has disappeared. Panic sets in. You will find your child at any cost. Are you going to eat first? Of course not. The passion to find your child is far greater than the desire to eat. That's exactly what fasting is. The desire to seek God is greater than the desire to eat. And that's exactly what we need in our country right now. And I want to refer you. You can probably find it on YouTube still if they haven't removed it. Pastors, 40 days. 
30-day fasting journey. It's also on Amazon Prime. Uh, they actually picked it up as a documentary where I answer questions about fasting and also talk about the spiritual ramifications of fasting. And that was kind of the main point of that, the desire. And that's when I did a 40-day fast. I think that was in 2022. So the desire to seek God is greater than the desire to eat. So true. Now, there were hiccups and a few setbacks during my 22-day experience, but it led to an incredible victory. The church benefit, as did my family and my marriage. My spiritual and physical health was transformed, but the lows definitely matched the highs. The journey that followed, it might appear a little meticulous, but I want to better assist the reader. So sometimes I get a little meticulous and maybe give you information that otherwise wouldn't need, but it's good to, good to have. So week number one, my starting weight was around 204 pounds. And uh, see, even now I've gained about 10 pounds over that 215. Uh, I would say, you know, there's, there's more muscle now uh, because I'm working out more, but also I, I need to get this weight down. I'm like many of you, you know, I, it's pretty easy to put it on and we've got to we're just our, our body type and our metabolic rate, and uh, we got to really watch that. So I can relate. During this week, I began. So this is week one, back you know six seven years ago. I began a very clean, low calorie diet for three days. That's important. Get your body ready. I began a very clean, low calorie diet for three days, followed by water fasting for four days. At this point, I still hung on to my morning coffee habit because I was tired and sluggish. I hoped that God would bless my fast, even though I wasn't willing to give up my favorite addiction. Central nervous stimulants like coffee produce in me and in most people everything but the fruit of the spirit. Anger replaces love. Moodiness replaces joy. And irritability replaces patience. We should also use fasting as an opportunity to fast from addictions, but we should prepare for withdrawals. For this reason, I recommend a good detox diet prior to fasting. Basically, and I just, I'm, I'm actually, we're getting ready to launch 2024 fast for our church. And one of the things I'm going to give as a handout is this eight day program. Basically, it's pretty easy. You know, the first five days, you, you kind of minimize your calories, maybe 1500 calories, 1900, depending if you're male or female. And it's just clean. You know, I begin to wean off of dairy. I begin to wean off of meat, no sugar. It's just clean 1500 calories, 1900 calories. And then after five days, and again, during that time, I'm also having, let's say, five green tea bags in the morning, four green, three, two, one, boom. So when you get off, if you're not willing to do that, but you want to get off coffee, just keep having half. So start out with a low amount, maybe a 12-ounce coffee. That's it. Next day, eight. Next day, six. Next day, four. Next day, two ounces. And it's going to be hard, but it's much better than going cold turkey. And then the last three days before my fast, water fast, is I will just go down to five, 600 calories just vegetables, maybe some juice, kind of get the body ready. You're, you're going to start to go into ketosis a little bit. You're not going to feel well at all, but it, it gets your body ready because if you just dive into water fasting only, it's going to be tough. So try to get adequate sunlight as well to increase vitamin D, fresh air, ventilation, and be sensitive to what hair products, deodorant, and lotion you put on your skin. I think that's, that's key even after you fast or even now as you're listening. You know, what are you putting on your skin? Look, at, look in the deodorant you know, you're putting under your arms. And remember, you can take like testosterone creams and you put it on your skin and your skin absorbs it. And same thing with aluminum and, and hair products. And so I think we need to really be careful what we're putting on our skin because it does affect our body. Your skin will absorb chemicals. And during a fast, body odor and foul taste in your mouth are signs that the body is cleansing. I know it's 
not a good way to do things, but at least you know when you stink, the body's cleaning itself, and that's a good thing. So I didn't see many improvements the first week because I stayed on light food for the first few days, but my voice became hoarse and sores began to form in my mouth. I simply viewed this as detox. On day six, I found myself worshiping God more, fasting, and prayer set the tone. Week number two, going into week two, my weight was 198, so about six six pound loss or so. But an increasingly painful toothache, I remember this, caused me to resume eating for a few days. I ate a few light meals each day from plant-based food. My right knee and other joints started to feel better, but a deep pain came first. Before the body heals, it, uh, it often hurts, and that's why riding out the fast can be very beneficial, and they call this retracing. I don't know. I might talk about this later in the book, but the body retraces old injuries and begins to repair them. Many are surprised that they are not on a constant spiritual high while fasting. Folks, this is key. This was a hard lesson for me. Fasting doesn't always come with spiritual highs. In other words, it's not like all the time you're fasting, you're just always on a spiritual high. Now, I have heard from people that they they have been on most of the time. Incredible time with God, worship. They really didn't feel hungry. It was incredible. But I have not experienced that to the same degree. Now, there have been times I get up in the morning and I just can't stop worshiping God. It's incredible. And sometimes throughout the day, tons of energy. And it's like, oh, this is great. And then a couple hours later, crash. And that's, that's just something you have to be prepared for. That's why, Hey, I'm going 21 days. I'm going 14 days. I'm going 10 days. If you do do a seven day water fast, there's so many health benefits, so many health benefits to that. And you just got to write it out. Of course, unless there's medical supervision, make sure you're not on medication. And there's a lot of things I've already talked about, but that's a good disclaimer to remind you always check with the physician supervised And if you're on medication, you have to be very careful. You might have to do some type of of alternative fast. So the depriving yourself of food, especially things that we've been addicted to, often leads to body aches and pains as well as bad moods and weariness. We are not called to trust our feelings, but to persevere even when we don't feel like it. That is so important. We don't know how Jesus felt during his 40-day fast. I mean, I'm pretty certain he did not feel as bad as most of us. Nobody who fasted 2,000 years ago, I don't think, felt as bad as us because they weren't addicted to all the things we're addicted to. They're not trying to come off of red 40 and blue 6 and chemicals and partially hydrogenated oils and sodium nitrates and all these different chemicals and emulsifiers. (laughs) Don't gauge fasting success on feelings alone. God often rewards later or after the fast rather than during the onset of the fast. And this is, of course, there's exceptions. Absolutely. I know people begin fasting and God answered their prayer the next day, or they started fasting and even a breakthrough later that day because they got off of caffeine and nicotine or alcohol. And so, you know, there's exceptions, but often the reward comes later. Why? Because it's delayed gratification. That's a biblical principle. You sow, you will reap. You don't sow something usually and reap right away. It's a process of trust and faith. I had wonderful seasons of spiritual insight during those first two weeks of my fast, but it was difficult. Next section here, week number three. Week number three, this is pretty encouraging. My weight was now 189. That's what I weighed in high school when the third week was over. And the first few days were tough. Uh, My toothache turned into a nightmare. And would I cave in and eat or take amoxicillin like they recommended? Or would I get a root canal? Or would I move forward with the fast? 
I wasn't being naive. Teeth are very similar to bones and can heal. Many people have reversed cavities through proper nutrition, but I do believe that a root canal issue is is different. Uh, the damage is deeper and more intense, and I was curious to see what would happen. Now, I know there's people thinking, I've had a few root canals, and if I could, I would love to pull them out and just get them replaced with, you know, but it, but then you got to put titanium and, and drill into the, the bone, and maybe someday, you know, that that's hopefully my goal. But, you know, I, I have a few. Uh, my doctor, who's a, is a good solid guy, again, it's long, what, what fillings do they use? What type of material, the chemicals? I mean, that's a whole nother topic. And they've proven, they've shown that root canals can be pretty bad because that bacteria stays there and it can go down to the heart. But again, I'm trusting God getting implants and very expensive and it's a process a lot of good dentists even holistic dentists will recommend sometimes hey keep your tooth that's probably the best option before you have to go into a different different format there I believe that antibiotics should be the last resort, not the first. So I didn't jump right on antibiotics. I can't tell you how many times we've been given amoxicillin for our kids, uh, sore throat, different things. And we put it in the refrigerator and we pray on it. We just wait a day or so. I use some collodial silver, spray a lot of collodial silver in the throats, have them not eat much at all. Definitely not sugar, take naps, let the body get rested. Uh, elderberry, echinacea, zinc, high dosages of vitamin C. And nine times out of 10, they felt better the next day. We didn't have to do that. But there have been times where, hey, if my kid's getting sicker and you hate to see them in that condition, then we'll just, we'll jump right on it. But remember, antibiotics, anti means life, antibiotic against life and probiotic for life. You know, that's, that's why the contrast there. And so antibiotics will do some damage in your body. So again, you got you to weigh it out. They should be the last resort, not the first resort. Some antibiotics also affect DNA in very negative ways. They wipe out all the bad bacteria as well as the good, but they will not always fix the main cause of the infections. Many find themselves constantly battling chronic sickness and endless medication because the body is rarely fed what it needs to fight disease, and fasting is rarely used to reboot the system and promote healing. So during this third week, I had water only, and I finally kicked the coffee habit right before the week began. I'm not making this an absolute rule for everyone. I'm simply sharing how quitting coffee greatly improved my life. If you can enjoy this freedom without it affecting you and God's not convicting you, that's wonderful. I don't think we should throw some of these gray areas onto others. But you may want to research it. The effects on the body, including the heart, is something you should be aware of. This is not what we want to hear, but it is what we need to hear. My morning devotional life had been greatly affected for many years by coffee. I was seeking it before God, and it was difficult to concentrate and meditate on God's word with my body in a constant fight or flight state. So for me, even a little bit, you know, you're kind of, you're, you're antsy, you got to check the phone, you got to do this. And like a spider weaving a, a web on caffeine, <laughs> it's all over the place, you know, so I can relate. For some people, man, they enjoy it, they relax, God's not convicting them, then that's your freedom. Just like maybe a glass of wine for, for some. Nine out of 10 watching this drinking coffee, you know, you know, you know, it's a problem. And you need to stop because it also makes you moody and irritable and angry. It's not good on the cardiovascular system long-term. Personal belief because your heart is at a higher rate. And, you know, over the course of a lifetime, your heart could beat, you know, a hundred million times more because of the caffeine stimulant. And so I believe that that is, that is harder on the body. By the time I came to this point in the fast. I noticed, and this is about, I think after three weeks, I noticed that my sleep was deep. Oh, I do miss that about fasting. Let me tell you, you just go to bed, you just kind of conk out, 
And boy, that sleep is deep, deep, deep. However, there are times when your hormones are elevated. Cortisol is elevated, adrenaline's elevated during fasting, and you can't sleep, and you won't sleep as well sometimes. And you won't get, many times in fasting, I only get about five hours of sleep, and I feel great. Uh, sometimes I sleep longer, sometimes I slept nine hours. And so it just, you just gotta let the body, God, God knows what he's doing, the body knows, you kinda just gotta submit to what the body wants to do. Now, I could have eaten, but the filling wasn't strong. I remember making pasta for my family. Remember, fasting is not starving. Hunger does not keep increasing every day as the fast continues. This is another myth that keeps countless people from fasting. I remember, I remember, I thought this, Lord, you want me to fast? Oh, man, every day I'm going to get hungrier and hungrier and hungrier. Oh, my goodness. But once, you know, I made up my mind, the power of the made up mind, that first day actually wasn't too hard. You know, it's like, okay, you know, and then day two was, was really hard. Day three is tough as well. But eventually the hunger hormone, ghrelin is a hunger hormone. It diminishes and you don't, Feel as hungry. It's kind of a. It's actually amazing to to be honest with you. Now you could eat. Don't get me wrong. And something looks good, but it actually is easier to say no at that point than it is easier to say no to chocolate and things when I'm not fasting. It's like hard. Your, your sugar's elevated. Your insulin's high. Insulin sensitivity is high. You're wanting that treat. Boy, this is hard. But when when your hunger hormone is decreased and you're in a fourth, fifth day of fasting, it's like man, that that it looks good. Don't get me wrong. I could eat it. I want it kind of, but it's the pull is not the same. It's not even close to the same. Remember, again, fasting is not starving. Hunger does not keep increasing every day. During fasting, your body switches its fuel source while it consumes diseased cells and tissues for fuel. That's where that term autophagy comes in. Ghrelin that I just mentioned, the hunger hormone, will signal your brain to eat, but it can be suppressed until true hunger resumes. True hunger will resume at some point, and your body will let you know. Most of you will never get there. I've never got there. You're going a while before that happens. And ghrelin, the hunger hormone, has to a big degree has been uh, conditioned to signal at a certain time of day based on our eating habits. So it's not genuine hunger. It's, it's an addiction, and it's a signaling pathway that, that we've become used to. Some say that you should stay busy while you're fasting. Uh, some say you should rest. It depends what your goals are. Like if you're fasting like the Buchenheimer Clinic in Germany, they have people on 250 calories of juice and they have some activity going on. You know, they're swimming, they're biking, they're, they're walking. Where like Alan Goldhammer, his fasting center, water only. You know, they want people to rest, rest. The reason is if you start to do too much energy, let's say you're fasting and you start working out, you got to do this, your body's going to need energy even quicker. And it's, it's, and that's when your muscle is converted in gluconeogenesis. Your muscles broken down. The amino acids are broken down. It's converted to glycogen for your energy. And so that's why when people fast and they're active, they do lose more weight. And that's not necessarily something you want to get excited about because you're losing some muscle. I'm reading a book. It was written like in the 1960s. It's a spiritual fasting book. This Christian pastor, or he was a speaker, he went on a 28 day water fast, 28 day water fast. And he lost 44 pounds. And I was like, whoa, it was good. And I lost the weight. And I'm going, yeah, but that's, uh, you lost, uh, boy, you probably, he probably lost a good 10 pounds, 12 pounds of muscle. And then what happens is you start eating again. You got to be careful because now you don't have the muscle, muscle density. You don't need the high, the, as much calories as you once did because 
you don't have as much muscle. You know, less muscle, less you weigh, the less calories you need. That's just bottom line. You do want to rest, I think. Uh, that would be my motto. You don't want to be real busy. You want to rest unless, again, you're getting a little bit of nutrients in. But what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish? Do you have time off? Can you rest? I'm a promoter of rest, but if it's a matter of breaking the fast because you're bored, then stay busy. On the Sunday, when this third week uh, began, I arrived at five in the morning for early worship at our church, followed by preaching uh, two services. Staying busy helped me a great deal. I rarely exercised at that point, and healing and rest were the key for me. My blood pressure was also in target range. I kept reminding myself of fasting, a myth. You know what a myth is, right? It's not true. That I wasn't going to die, I wasn't going to lose all my muscle, and I wasn't going to deplete myself of all my minerals and electrolytes and end up on the ground and not be able to get up. Now, you do feel like that sometimes. And again, that's why I recommend uh, vitamin mineral supplementation that I talked about earlier on in the book. If you need to do that, I, I don't have a problem with putting in a little bit of trace minerals, some sodium and, and potassium and magnesium, because we're not getting that in our, in our, in our water. You know, back, let's say 2000 years ago, they might have better stored ingredients in their body. They're also in the soil and the soil has a lot of those things. They're also drinking water from the soil. And that water probably had more nutrients than we have now. So take it to the Lord. I know people, you know, fasting clinics or things like that, doctors, they won't have you take anything. It's just water only. And actually distilled water where there's no trace minerals in it at all. You know, I don't really have opinion on that because I don't want to steer people in the wrong, wrong direction. Uh, I can see the benefits of, of both. I don't choose distilled long-term because of, of, unless you're putting in some uh, trace minerals, you know, if you got trace mineral and again, not trace minerals with sugar in it and all that. You can just get basic, no calorie trace minerals. I would add that to distilled water, but then people say, well, that's pointless because you're counterproductive because what happens is if you're not taking in the vitamins, minerals, trace minerals, magnesium, potassium, sodium, the reason I was sometimes you get heart palpitations and sodium, you're really dragging, it helps to balance out. But the reasoning is the body has those stored in your muscle. I mean, it's even stored in your bone, the bones, the some things, the liver converts some things. And so your body is so well designed by God, a designer, that it knows how much to release at what times and, and to what degree. So if it's doing that, and then now you're adding this extra potassium, what is it going to throw the other minerals off? Because there's a delicate balance there too. So you want to be strategic. You want to use wisdom. Uh, but throughout my studies, I found that vitamins and minerals and electrolytes are often stored in the body for seasons of fasting. God knew what he was doing. Granted, this is another good reason to have medical supervision. If deficiencies are causing symptoms such as severe cramping, numbness, tingling in the fingers, irregular heartbeat, and, and so on, those supervising might recommend supplementation. And this was the case in 1973. You ready for this one? 1973, you can read all about it online. A 27-year-old man water fasted, drank water only for, not 82 days, 382 days under the supervision of the Scotland University. You can read the report on it too. I've looked at it. His weight dropped from 456 pounds. Now you know why he could fast so long because he had the reserves to 180 pounds. Ironically, those with many extra pounds are deficient, but those fasting rarely are. And that's a whole nother, your body doesn't release the nutrients when you're, when you're eating too much. And, but when you're fasting, it does. But I want to comment on this for a minute because it, it was also said that he only gained 
10 pounds back when he started eating again. He maintained 190, 195 for a while. I don't know where he ended up. That goes to show you, you can control that diet. Refeeding is so important. I don't know. I'm glad I wasn't refeeding with that kind of loss. I mean, at one point in my fast, I heard that magnesium citrate can clear the intestinal tract. So I bought a bottle. Bad idea. I felt sick until I drank a cup of raw milk and ate a few nuts. I did that magnesium citrate. It really messed me up. I became sick, my stomach, and I ate a little bit. And that magnesium citrate, thinking it would be good, actually caused me to break my fast. But I got, I got back on track. Perfectionism would say, you blew it, start over. But that's not true. I wasn't about to let a few calories sidetrack me, and you shouldn't either. You know, if, if I slip and I lose my footing in a race, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back up and I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep heading to the finish line, and so should you. These people, these hardcore, you know, fasting advocates, you know, they may not agree with me. And I, I, I know that, oh, that's not really fasting. Well, who says fasting? Maybe you're single and you can live in your apartment for 20 days and, and do water only. And I think it's good for many people. But some people, I want to encourage them to get back up and keep, and keep fighting. These hardcore fasting advocates aren't in my shoes or yours. I have a responsibility to fulfill my obligations and I need strength to do it. So once I consumed even that minimal amount, it sparked hunger and it was very difficult not to eat. Had it not been for my toothache, I might have caved in even further. Quick word about cleansing the colon, either through enemas or other remedies. Experts are divided. And so you may want to research this beforehand. I don't have a, a thought on this. Obviously, you know, I probably lean towards how God created us and the body knows what it's doing. The body can eliminate when it needs to. And that's probably where I would leave it. You know, God has also given us medicine for a reason and insight. And so, you know, some people might want to go that direction. It's important to differentiate between the physical benefits and the spiritual benefits of fasting. The very light food intake mentioned earlier didn't affect my spiritual health, but giving the body light nourishment may have slowed down and hindered the healing process just a little bit. For example, it definitely shut down ketosis and it shut down autophagy. It also affected my ketone levels, uh, which was what I just mentioned, ketosis. Catabolism is the breakdown of molecular's to form simple, healthy ones. Energy is released and healing occurs. Lengthy catabolism via fasting is what most bodies need for healing and regeneration to take place. But food intake will slow that down. So in other words, you're not eating anything. The body has no food. So it's breaking down tissue and other things, uh, cells and, and plaque from your blood. Autophagy is taking place. And then you eat something. Now it stops all that, stops all that work. And it's got food because you just gave it food. So all the repairing kind of comes to a, a dead end and the ketosis. And however, within a few more hours and you're back at it again. So I, I don't let anything like that sidetrack me and, and you shouldn't either. Um, one thing that differed um, from like fasts I've done in the past was this fast. I was sleeping much better. And other fasts I've done where I wasn't sleeping as much because growth hormone levels are elevated and adrenaline and things I just mentioned. Sometimes I couldn't even get to, to bed before 11 o'clock and I'm up at four o'clock in the morning, <laughs> you know, just wide awake. Other times, man, by 8 p.m., I was just out and then got up at four. I'm like, whoa, I got a lot of sleep in. So I just kind of go with what the body needs. If you find it difficult to sleep, be encouraged. It's part of the process. Some people take melatonin and uh, there's some L-theanine I mentioned, valerian root, you know, that help people sleep, but you don't want to get hooked on those either. And remember, when you stop eating bad food, there may be withdrawals in addition to the fasting fatigue. It's part of the cleansing process as well. So the first few days of the fast, I made sure that I had nothing on the calendar. You might want to do that. 
all right, I've got a four-day weekend. This is going to be my fast. Have the kids situated. I used to go to a, a pastor's retreat. It was just me up there. And it uh, makes it pretty easy when there's no food. When you're not eating, your body doesn't waste energy on digestion. So it has the energy now to clean your body. So if you can fight through the detox process and rest, I believe that is the best option. You can also get, I know to hear fasting sticks that you can take a look at your urine. It will tell you where your ketones are at. It will tell you your pH, your proteins, your specific gravity, your glucose. You you can get crazy with that. I usually don't. I'm just going to fast and you know, God knows how my body is made. For those enthusiastic about their health, these sticks you actually urinate on or dip it in urine, it'll really measure, you know, what's going on in your body. But they've discouraged me before because I've done it and I'm like, this is day two and I'm not really burning that many ketones. Oh man, I get kind of depressed, but that's just one indication because your body could be going through gluconeogenesis and it could, your glucose could be a little high and it's not a sign that the body's not healing. It's not a sign that it's not a good idea to fast. And so these things I don't really look to as much as I used to. So we're going to keep going. We're going to continue this section on breaking the fast, breaking the fast. I am looking forward to that. So let's get into that here shortly. If you've enjoyed this episode of Idleman Unplugged, be sure to send us your ideas and topics for future episodes of the podcast. You can send us an email at westsidechristianfellowship.org or shaneidleman.com. Thank you for listening to us today and join us again on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Eidelman Unplugged. For more information, visit us at shaneidleman.com. Again, that's shaneidleman.com. El Paseo Publications proudly supports the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network. We are committed to quality in Christian publication. Free ebooks can be found at westsidechristianfellowship.org under free ebooks. Books such as What Works for Men and What Works for Young Adults will help readers understand that the obstacles ahead are never greater than God's power to take you through. Books such as What Works When Diets Don't and Feasting and Fasting demonstrate how health can be achieved from a biblical perspective. Other free books such as Answers for a Confused Church and Desperate for More of God show the importance of fully surrendering our lives to Christ. And One Nation Above God is a must-read for anyone concerned about the direction of America. Again, free downloads of these eBooks are available at westsidechristianfellowship.org. We are happy about partnering with the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network.